0: If you are not making plans on coming to the uh, Christmas party tonight, um, and you don't have any other plans, um, then please come. Uh, These kids have been working... You you see, this is the only church I've ever been a part of where right before the sermon, 150 people leave the room. Uh, Just all these kids that go in there and make their way back there. The kids that are going in this way, they've been working on this for a while, and it's, it's tough to prepare really hard for something and then show up and no one bothered to show. Um, so please come and support them. Uh, they, they they need oca- occasional feel good, you know? They need like the endorphins of, oh, I worked hard and it was a thing and it worked well. Um, so please come and be a part of that. I don't know if you heard John, but we're having a relationship seminar Um coming up it starts uh, January 13th please come to that we're not I, we're not bringing in some ho hum couple who does this we're bringing in like these guys are the top notch when we couldn't get them in August they said the next time we could do it is January it's not like oh we have next week free too like they're they're like booked up um and this is this is a, these people have been doing this for a long time and it is worth your effort and time. Your marriage is worth your effort and time. Your marriage is worth coming to a place where you can listen to what it's like to be a better spouse. Now, uh, uh, and I'll say this several times between now and then. Uh, don't come to find out what your spouse could do better. you will find out that information. Do not come for that information. Come to improve yourself. Come to um, improve your side of the marriage, of the engagement. And if you are single, this sort of information is, um, is, is so important to the rest of your life. Most people go into marriage just blind and they're going to figure it out as they go you should start now if you're single so that's not even part of the sermon i before church started i noticed that that clock at the back was five five or six minutes slow so i changed it because that can get a preacher fired so i changed i I fixed it so we're on we're on pace a clock that's staring at me the whole time i preach Whenever we had children, uh, we've had three so far. No, Rachel says. (laughs) Yeah, I'm pretty sure. I counted this morning. Three, one, two, three. And uh, we had. When when we had, always laughed at the amount of people who made predictions about our kids. They're just a baby that does nothing. Babies do nothing. They just sit. And they they don't do anything. And people come and they'll say, oh my goodness, he's going to be a soccer player. Look at those legs. Calm down, Nostradamus. You don't, what? How do you know he's, first off, it's a girl. Second off, you don't know what this kid's going to be, we can't just look at a child. We like to know the stats, the height, the weight, the, like, the mass. We like to know what a child is, and then we like to predict what the child's going to be. Like they, Every kid that has long fingers, oh my goodness, look at those fingers. What's he going to play? The piano. He's going to be a piano player. Or a shadow puppet artist. He's going to be something with his fingers, apparently. We're going to pick what this kid's going to be. And we like to predict. Because it's fun. It's really fun to imagine. If you are a fan of a football team, the first of the season is usually the best moment. The end of the season is just like people giving up on their coach. And it's awful. The beginning of the season, there's hope. You know, I mean, we had a pretty good recruiting class. We're celebrating that in Arkansas now. People on ESPN are saying our names. But that, that like, we, that, that sort of like beginning of hope, a possibility of future. We see a child and we see that. And so we love looking at children and we love predicting about children because in a child we can see all that could be. A life yet lived. A life yet squandered. This child is not making mistakes. And this child has possibility and hope and promise. So no wonder the shepherds found so much hope that day in a child. If you open your Bibles to Luke chapter 2, and it'll be up on the screen in just a second. Verse 8. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks, At night, an angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were terrified. Yeah! Like you would be if in your daily routine the glory of the Lord shone around you. Some of you work nights. And you're still here. You get bonus points. Some of you work, I know a lot of a lot of us, a lot of our some of our members work out at the briar plant, and occasionally you've got, you've got to work, do your shift. You've got to get your, your your night hours in. Can you imagine just working nights and then the glory of the Lord shown around you? Of course you're terrified. They didn't know it was coming. They didn't get to read this part of the Bible that says the birth of Jesus. That it was just Tuesday for them. Do you know that Jesus was born on a Tuesday? I made it up. Don't just move on. It's just a Tuesday and, and they're out with the sheep and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were terrified. An angel of the Lord appeared. Oh yeah, the terrified. Yes, next next slide. Verse ten. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, I bring you good news. Don't be terrified. I've got gospel for you. I've got good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born. He is the Messiah, the Lord. Now, for us, we hear this. We hear these words and we go, Oh yeah, He's a baby, Jesus, the Messiah, Jesus Christ. But for Israelite shepherds, under the rule of Roman law, in a world that wasn't quite what they'd hoped it would be, you know, when God comes to Abraham and says, uh, through you all people will be blessed, you will be a great nation, and all, all, everyone will be proud of how great of a nation you will be. And they, they remember those words, and they remember King David, and they rem- remember their successes. But their successes are dim memories in the past. They are, they are when they ruled the land, but they were taken into captivity twice. And when they returned, they weren't even they didn't own their land. They were owned by the the Medes and the Persians. And then the Greeks came over came through and conquered the Medes and Persians, and the Greeks now ruled the land. And then the Romans came through and conquered the Greeks. And now the Romans ruled the land. And they've always been paying taxes to these people. You know, in the first century, when you when you did your taxes, there were no refunds. I think we're getting some back this year, said no Israelite ever. And so they were oppressed. And the the thumb of the big empire was upon them. And they had just this one little hope. One little hope that someday the Messiah will come And they knew that what the Messiah would be rescuing them from was themselves. They knew that the Messiah would come and redeem them from their own mistakes. They knew that they were under Roman law, under Greek law, under Persian and Mede law, under Babylonian rule, under Assyrian rule. They knew they were were oppressed by those people because they had sinned. And so when the the Messiah comes, He's going to forgive them of their sins. He's going to redeem them of their oppression. He's going to, to give them a reason to shout hallelujah. And these shepherds are the first to know. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born. He is the Messiah. He's not just a piano player or a soccer player or a linebacker. Everyone's a linebacker. Because you can't say, oh, that's a fat baby. Everyone's a linebacker. He wasn't just, the possibility wasn't just something mundane or... The possibility was Messiah. This child that has his whole life in front of it, when they get to the end of that life, this child will redeem his people. He is the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angels praising God and saying glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those whom his on whom his favor rests when the angels had left them they had gone into and gone into the heaven the shepherds said to one another let's go to bethlehem and see this thing that has happened which the lord has told us about let's go see the child it's it's not a Not gonna like it's not a child that's wearing like i I'm the Messiah onesie. There's no big arrows, there's no neon signs, there's no, there's no churches gathered around, there's no temples being just a baby in a manger. And they know something other people don't know. That the promise of this child, the promise of this baby, is bigger than the promises of every child. It's bigger than the promises of every baby. And that this child, the hope found in it, in Him, will redeem all of humanity. The shepherds saw. They hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby. They found them. They were lying in a manger when the baby was lying in a manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about the child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. Everybody had hope. Everybody knew that there was something bigger coming. Now, we read Luke chapter 1. We read Luke chapter 2. Jesus born Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 3, grown man. These guys had to say, oh my goodness, in 30 years. Now, they weren't saying 30 years, but decades from now. So, if Jesus was born in 1970, nothing would happen until 2000. It's time that passes, of nothing it can hurt hope, can it? No one just stares at junior high students with hope like they stare at children. I love junior high students. I run a camp for junior high students. I like to be with them for one week a year. No, but no one, and no one stares at adults like that either. You don't go to Walmart and go, look at all the possibility. (laughs) Promise and hope, just walking around. We we don't look at ourselves like that. We don't find hope like that. That's why all the fights that happen at sporting events predominantly happen at little children's sporting events, because you're watching the t-ball game And you realize every last hope of your child being a professional baseball player is gone. Go to those, go to those, like those, those T-ball games, and it's just a bunch of adults losing their hope. What could this kid be? This ain't it. Like all the things we were hoping they would be. That's why parents get they're just on edge. Just hit it! Catch it! Throw it! They're just, they're trying to, they're, they've got the controller of life and they're trying to play their kids from the stands. That's why the anxiety is so high is because your kid grows up and the possibilities fade and become more concrete into things. And they're wonderful things, but they're not everything. Their potential isn't unlimited. You know, we tell our kids when they're really young, you can be anything you want. And they start picking a major and we say, well, you could be three things you want. slims down. And all of us look in the mirror and a lot of that shame we feel about our lives, regret we feel, is because we started at a place with hope and now here we are. I started at a place where I I, could have been anything and now I'm this thing. I could have done anything and now I'm doing this and I could have, I could have, I could have, I could have, I could have. And we look at ourselves and we don't see hope there. We don't see promise there. We don't see possibility all the time. Because it fades. And that's okay. Because the child that they saw in Luke chapter 2, on that dark night where the shepherds were surrounded by the glory of the Lord, the child that they saw... That night, his hope, his promise, his possibility did not fade. It only got brighter, and even whenever death tried to snuff it out, he rose again. We have hope in the one where hope never dies. That's why when you've been trying to do it yourself... When you've been trying to just manufacture goodness and get good and get better and now now I'm not good enough now. I've got to get better now. And you're going to come up in in 10 days, 8 days, 9 days. You're going to start making some resolutions. This year I'm going to. You're going to commit to it for a little bit. And listen, you may succeed. You may do it. I had a sister-in-law who just gave up ketchup for a year. Is that right? <laughs> it's right because Rachel just rolled her eyes. <laughs> French fries. She gave up French fries. It wasn't right. She was rolling her eyes at me. No. She gave up like just, and she did it. Do you know what you get as a reward for a year without French fries? No French fries. That's all you get. You don't get anything. You don't like. There's no reward. This year I'm going to lose twenty pounds, okay? And next year I'm going to gain it back. Like we put these little goals on ourselves because that we we and they're they're fine. There's nothing wrong with them. But we think those things will make us happy. We think readjusting. The, the, the story of our life to maybe get just a little better is what once I get there, I will arrive. Once I do this thing, it'll be fine. But your only hope is in Jesus. Your only hope is in the one who lost no hope, whose life stayed true to what God had wanted. Whose whole life he was exactly Who God wanted him to be. And it started that day with those shepherds. They said, there is a child. And the promise is real. And the promise will stay real until the day he becomes king. And that's why every year, every Sunday, we get together and we celebrate the child who became king. And not just the child who became king, but the God who became a child who became king. We have hope in Jesus. You don't have a lot of hope in a lot of other things. There are a lot of things that can bring you joy, and that's fantastic. But Rachel can bring me joy, but she doesn't bring me any hope of eternal life. She doesn't bring me any hope of resurrection. almost said rejection. Resurrection. Only hope we have is in the One who stayed full of hope His whole life. The One who stayed full of promise His whole life. That's why we align ourselves with Jesus. That's why we unite ourselves in His death, burial, and resurrection. It's because I'm with Jesus. Jesus is with me. And whenever I don't have hope, the hope of Jesus will do better than anything I could ever come up with on my own. So if you're searching for a resolution, maybe your hope needs to be found in Jesus next year. Maybe you need to be united with Jesus this year. Maybe you need to follow the one who the shepherds saw that day and said, there is some hope in this broken world. We have hope for peace. Maybe that's what you're looking for, and you just don't even know you haven't found it yet. If you feel that sort of turmoil, if you feel that sort of angst about your life, and you're just not who you want to be, we are with you. We are rooting for you, but not to become who you want to be, but but to. To become Jesus's. To belong to Jesus. To belong to the one in whom we can... own He's the only one we can hope. That's, That's the only way we can hope. That's the only way we have peace is in Jesus. The only way we have salvation is in Jesus. So you may be a child that lost its luster. Unite yourself or reunite yourself with the one who did not. Do that today, while we come forward, while we stand and sing.